over the last few weeks, we've actually been looking at and um, discussing just kingdom, whole, whole life stewardship uh, of, of our discipleship journey with the Lord. Um, last Sunday, um, you know, I said, it's like, it's like when you've you got to, at some point, at some point with your children, as they're growing up and they're moving from being children to becoming early teens, somewhere in there, you've got to have the sex talk. You've you got to have the sex talk. And it's awkward and it's like a little uncomfortable. It's like, how are we going to use those words and all of that sort of stuff. But you've just got to have it so that they know what's, you know what's in front of them and how they're going to grow through it and what a healthy understanding of who, who they are and how God's made them. Well, it's, it's kind of like that with regards, the, with regards to the conversation about money and the kingdom of God as well. It's kind of one of those conversations where it's, gosh, do we have to? Yeah, we do. You've got to have that talk because Jesus actually wants us to be disciples of the, of the resources that he's given us for his kingdom to be advanced in the earth. And so that everyone that's not here today would know why you're here today. Because Jesus loves you and that they might know him as well. And so we're going to continue on this morning with that, um, with that conversation that we've been having. Last weekend, I was talking with someone after the service and they said to me, you know what? He, he said to me, I was lining up during the offering last week, you know, this morning. He said, I was lining up over at the FPOS facility. And as I was lining up, he said, all of a sudden, I was just having all of these random voices and thoughts come tearing through my mind. And, I'm, and I said, well, like what? And he said, well, I'm standing there and I'm like, this is going to hurt you. You can't afford to do this. You, you shouldn't do this. You can't do this. You're going to go hungry if you do this. You can't, you're making things difficult for yourself if you do this. And what he was referring to was giving an offering, a financial offering to, to the Lord. And he said it was just like a massive battle. Now, for this guy, I know this guy. He is a long-term, seasoned veteran in the kingdom of God. He has overcome many difficulties and many spiritual battles. And he has a faith that's probably about... Oh, I'm just trying to pitch how old he is now. But he's got to, got to have at least a good 30 years of faith under his belt of following Jesus. So he's not, he's not new to the faith. He's not new into the kingdom. He's not a new disciple of Jesus. He's a seasoned veteran. And he said, last Sunday, for some reason, I'm lining up to give, <laughs> give my money. And I all of a sudden had the wobbles in regards to what I do with my money in offering it to God. And then he said, and then you had the, the money talk. He said, now I know why I was having a bit of a wobble in the, in, in the precursor to the conversation that God wanted to have with us last weekend in regards to our resources. The reason why I share that is because <clears throat> there is a very real and a very dynamic spiritual contest and context in which we are living, especially in regards to our finances. We, it's, it's not like our finances are somehow out from underneath the contest of the kingdoms colliding around us and in us and through us. 
our finances are very much a part of that. And I'm not sure if your, your discipleship experience has been like this, but I do know it has been for mine, and I do see it in the Scriptures, and I do know it's the case for a lot of folk. But whenever we choose to say yes to God in whatever area of our life that it is, whatever area, in obedience to him, as he makes a kingdom claim over our life as our Lord and Saviour, there is a counterclaim that comes hot on the tail of it. Uh, I think Di Hocking, a couple of weeks ago when she was here from Yarra Valley, she quoted C.S. Lewis in regards to this, and C.S. Lewis says, there is no neutral ground. For every claim of the king, there is a counterclaim of the prince of darkness. And so we live in this place of, yes, Lord, and then we get this onslaught of everything from the kingdom of darkness to want us to say, no, Lord. This is very much our daily life in every area, but in in regards to finance and money, God is welcoming us into a new space of realizing that we are sons and daughters of a loving father and that he wants to shift us from dependency on money because that's what money wants to make of us, that we would be dependent upon it, upon its power and what it can provide and what it can do, money can do, and the spiritual dynamics around that to shift us from dependency on money to freedom in Christ, to freedom in Christ, knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is a good king, and he has brought us into an amazing kingdom where his Father, now our Father through him, is aware of all of our needs and is very busy about providing for us. Um, You may remember the... um, the quote that we put up the other week of Derek Morphew. He says, It's not possible to see the world, creation, mankind and life through the eyes of the kingdom and remain petty or small-minded. And when a man's or a woman's mind is shaped by the kingdom, they become a great visionary and expansive thinker. This is what happens when God gets a hold of our life. First, we begin to think expansive about ourselves about who I could possibly now become now that I have been given a new life in Christ and that I have, by faith, in what he has done for me, I have now become a new creation and that I've been given a new way of living life. We begin to dream about these sorts of things. We begin to start to, gosh, I wonder what it would look like if if Jesus was Lord in all of these areas of my life and the impact that that would have on the greater good. We start to begin to think big. We begin to think bigger, I should say, with an expansive vision of the kingdom. We begin to, for some of us, and I've, I've, there's wonderful stories amongst us here in, in this church of people who came to faith and through them meeting Jesus, their their partners met Jesus, their spouses have met Jesus, their children have met Jesus, their parents and grandparents have met Jesus. And so the kingdom has expanded through the revelation of Jesus 
because they've met the king. It's a wonderful testimony that God's at work in the earth. And John Bajaya reminded us of that a couple of weeks ago when he shared that message with us. Now, if we remember Di Hocking when she was here, she said those famous words that the Holy Spirit was on. And when she said them, she said these words, Don't play it safe, Pine Rivers. There was this beckoning from the heart of God to come into and live in the expanding reality of what it might be like to live as Jesus' followers. And we, we, we also talked about the fact that God has placed us as a church right here in this shed years ago. And for some of us, we didn't understand why. But now we are beginning to see why this location of all locations is a God location. It's a God shed. It's a God idea. Because now in the next few years, we've got a university opening within two kilometres of our door with 20,000 young people who are going to be studying there. And so we need a full-time vineyard university pastor. We need full-time youth pastors and workers. We need children's workers and pastors. We need more associates. We need more people given to serving the expanding work of the kingdom through this place. God's inviting us and he's saying, please don't play it safe. Please don't play it safe because obedience requires risk, doesn't it? Obedience requires risk. It means we have to trust that God knows what he's doing when he's calling us into his declared and preferred future for us as individuals and as a church, as a local church. It requires risk. Last weekend, we had the, the money talk. And we, 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 you know, we, we started to give ourselves to an idea that God is calling us to something way bigger, way bigger than 10% of our resources. He's inviting us into something so great. I'm not sure if, you, if you've ever had the joy, and if you haven't, I pray that God would bring it to you. The joy of sitting with a person and introducing them to Jesus. That, that alone, I would pay everything to join in with. And in fact, I have. Even as you have when you gave your lives to Christ, that you might be given the opportunity to introduce the King to other people's lives. And that God would give us a vision of partnering with Him, of stewarding with Him, his great kingdom as a good father as his his love is continuing to break in we had the money talk and and last week and I'll, I'll sort of lean into it a little bit more this week but um we we had the you know the well what's the just tell me what's the magic number talk and 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 we addressed that out of a context of relationship, well, you're actually going to have to talk to the Lord about that. You're actually going to have to talk to the Lord about that, what the magic number is. And um, there's no way around that one. I mean, I could quote scriptures and I could make the scriptures sound in a way that so that it sort of leverages you in a certain direction, but that would be manipulation and control. You've got to have a conversation with Jesus. 
There's no way around that one. We looked at, in, for some of us, um, we've come from historical situations or family of origin experiences where we've never ever actually been told how to use money. For some of us, we've never been trained in how to use money and what we can use money for and how to handle it. And I just used a simple illustration that um, I was given as a child, those three little... I had a number of people say to me afterwards, that was brilliant, those three little orange juice bottles that were on your desk. They were, a number of people said to me, I'm going to do that. And the three little orange, bottle, orange juice bottles that were on my desk as, as, a, as a young kid, one was called serve, the other was called save, and the other was called spend. And each week when I'd get my little bit of pocket money for doing, you know, family chores, I think I did a few. <laughs> family chores. <laughs> <laughs> I would take that little bit of money <laughs> and I'd split it up and I'd put a little bit in the serve orange juice bottle and I'd put a little bit of um, into the saving bottle and I'd put a little bit into the spend bottle and so my serve my serve money each week when um, as a young person when we would get taken to church I'd take that money and give it to the work of the local church. Did I know what I was doing? Not really. But was, was I being trained in a way of thinking? Yes, I was. And that way of thinking was the way of being always aware that you have been given resource and money for something greater than just yourself. We've been given resource and money for something greater than ourselves. And God wants us to join him in what he's doing. I'd take a little bit of that money and I'd save it for the things that I really wanted. You know, I'd sort of wait, you know, save up for the, you know, the toy or the, the next thing that I was really after. I had, I'd learnt that practice of saving. And I, then I also learnt the, the spend, which was always on the push bike via the lolly shop on the way to school. And I'd go and I'd get my, you know little pack of lollies on the way to school, you know, the spend. And so I just got taught these very simple things. And if you, play, if, if, if you actually took that model of serve, save and spend and applied that to the other areas of our lives, not just finance, but your time, where are you using your time to serve something greater than yourself? Where are you taking um, your time in regards to, are you saving time for the things of the kingdom of God that are important to your spiritual well-being and the well-being of those that you live amongst and work amongst? And are you spending some time on your, actually on, on yourself? That's okay too. Time, energy, resources, have a think about those things. Last week, we also touched on the fact that Paul gave the church a few tips in Corinth about, you know, we've got all these other systems in our life, but how come we don't have one with regards to finance and giving? And so we just touched on the fact that... <clears throat> whoop, have I gone too far? Oh, I don't have it. But we touched on the four things that Paul spoke about, which was giving systematically, giving as an act of worship, giving in proportion to your income, and planning in advance to do just that. 
But this morning, though, what I really want to do is I want to begin to talk with you a little bit about the way that Nicole and I personally approach the whole question of where to give our money, where to give our money. And then, then I'll, I'll, I might sort of reach in a little bit into the um, and how much do we give personally. And I'll explain that to you in a minute. But first things first, when Jesus was um, with Peter and the disciples one day in Matthew chapter 16, um, all these people were making these statements about who Jesus was or who they thought he was. And then Jesus turns to Peter in Matthew 16 and he says to Peter, Peter, who do you say I am? Who am I? And you might think this is a very interesting, why are we going down this scripture with regards to money well well, peter makes this statement to jesus and if you've got your bible there in matthew 16 i'm just going to quickly read it to you in matthew 16 verse 13 jesus when he came to the region of caesarea philippi he asked his disciples who do people say the son of man is and they replied Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, but what about you? What about you? So he takes, oh yeah, everyone else is saying this, but, and then he drills down into his disciples. Yeah, but what about you? Have you ever been in a situation where you're, you know, you're in conversation with people and you you might be around any topic at all and you're saying, oh yeah, well these people are saying this about that or... These people, they think this about that. And then the person says to you, yeah, but what about you? What, what do you believe? Well, it was one of those moments for Peter. Well, okay, Pete, everyone's saying this, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And there's a whole, that's all loaded up. That is really loaded, that confession. I haven't got time to unpack that confession But Jesus replies to him, he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now there is an enormous amount of teaching in that scripture there. But the point that I'm using it for is this. Jesus gives his kingdom authority to his first priority, which is I'm building my church on the back of the fact that my father has just revealed to you, Peter, who I am. See, God is revealing who Jesus is in the earth. And the priority of his authority comes through and for the building of the church. And it's this vehicle called the church, the people of of God, the society of Jesus. It's through them that that authority of God and revelation is now going on and on and on into the earth. So when it comes to the area of giving, finances, this is now this is where Nicola 
Nicole and I are at. You've got to have this conversation with God. I can't have it for you. You guys have got to have it. You've got to have it as, if you're married, you've got to have it with your spouse. Please have the conversation. Um, if you're a young person and you've just actually started earning money in your discipleship, please have the conversation with Jesus. But Jesus is helping us to understand in this scripture the prioritizing, the prioritizing agenda of Jesus, which is to build his church and extend his kingdom. First things first. So when it comes to the resourcing, the resources that Nicole and I have in our life to steward and disperse, we, we, will, we will automatically always lean to Jesus' first priority, which is the building of his church and the extension of his kingdom. And to separate the two of those, kingdom and church, I think is a mistake. Jesus came to establish the society of the kingdom, the people of the kingdom, the church, the ecclesia. The new politics of Jesus in the earth, the politics of God in the earth, is the local church. We can't, and I just want to make a side note here, we can't expect our federal, state and local governments to be the kingdom of God. It's the role of the local church who are the people of God as God rules and reigns and demonstrates and reflects and then transforms society through the life and witness of the gathering of the saints. Don't expect government to be what God has called us to be. God has called us to be the people of the kingdom. When it comes to giving money, energy and time, Nick and I, we always lean into Jesus' first priorities, the building of the church and the extension of his kingdom. So that's where we give and where we give first. That's where we give first out of all of our giving. Our greatest prayer and our desire is that everyone, everyone would have a revelation experience of Jesus Christ as Lord and King and the local church is the worshipping and witnessing people of that kingdom. And so we give our first and our best to God by generously giving to the local church. Let me just, I'm behind a slide there. That's where we give first. The next, the next thing, you see now, you, there's some other things that you need to keep in mind with where you give your money that I think the scriptures and Jesus encourages us and Paul encourages us. The first, the, the, well, another area that you need to keep in mind are these things. Uh, family. Hang on, let, oop. for some reason I've gone, hang on, here we go. Let me go back one. Yeah, family. First is the immediate in 1 Timothy 5.8, it reads this. If anyone doesn't provide for their relatives, and especially for their immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it, from Paul. If anyone doesn't provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See that? What Paul is really saying on the flip side of that 
is that there is a standout difference about the people of the kingdom. What he's saying is he's using a negative to point to a new way of life, which is that the standout feature of the people of the kingdom is that we are believers, and by being believers, we are always interested in the immediate well-being of our family. Now, I mean your immediate next of kin. Now, I know that's a really tough one for some of us because some of our families are broken and busted. Some of our families have, have come under all sorts of duress and stress, and for some reasons, <clears throat> not judging any of those reasons, but they have, they have been broken and bruised. But God's, the heart of God is that we would be a people who are financially interested in the well-being of our immediate family. There's been a number of times in Nicole's and my life through the course of our marriage relationship where being in a family has helped to shape us to shape our attitudes with regards to generosity and finance. At times, I've had to eat some pie, humble pie. I don't know if you've ever had the taste of that. You like the taste of humble pie? Well, I've had to eat pie. And by that, I mean I've had to approach family members and say, we need some help. Can you help us? Can you give us a short-term loan for this or for that? But we need some help. Can you help us? And, and the thing is, we've, we know that in some of those moments and seasons, some of the members of our immediate and wider family are probably not much better in a situation than we are. But somehow together, we've figured out to be able to be big enough, honest enough, and humble enough to find a way. Because Jesus wants to show us a way through this that's unlike the world, but is all about the heart of God. And the other, you know, so we need to learn to love our family with money by providing financial assistance. I know there's some beautiful stories among us here of, of, of folk who have, who have even, you know, you know, refinanced their whole circumstances for the well-being of their children and their grandchildren. I mean, God bless you for that. God bless you. That totally reflects and is an illustration to us and a witness to us that God is real. And thank you for doing that. The other thing is this, with regards to family, we've got to keep in, in mind and in heart that, that we, we have a church family that we belong to, a community of saints the, the, the ecclesia, the ones who've been called out of the darkness and into the light to be this gathered witnessing force of life, of kingdom life to our communities. And Paul talks about this type of encouragement to the Galatian church. He says, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who who belong to the family of God, especially to those who are in the kingdom, who are part of the body of Christ, especially. Paul's putting an emphasis there on, we need to be able to love the church. I, I think it's a beautiful thing to watch people get mobilized as the Holy Spirit touches them, to take an interest in the people that you're sitting amongst. 
You know, there's, I, there's so many stories going on through this place. It's fantastic of people going, they need a meal. I'm going to cook it. I'm going to go out shop. I'm going to make time in my day, out of my day, my time, my resources to go and spend that on their well-being. And I'm going to drive it around. I'm going to take care of them. That, that may seem like a very simple thing. It is a kingdom powerful thing. And it just breaks through every selfish orientation that, that the enemy in this world wants to hold us captive to. Things like meal, praying for people, just taking an an awareness and a a concern in people's lives through prayer. I just love watching people praying for each other in this place. I love it. And I'm always saying, God, continue to fan that thing, will you? That we would pray for each other and hold each other in prayer. That we would... Be concerned for the well-being of the family of God. Same with finances. You know, it's been, I've got to say, personally for Nick and I, it has been wonderful to be able to, and such a life-giving experience, to be just gifted finance from people. Just along the way at certain times, God has just stirred someone's heart to give us a card with, you know, a 50 in it. Or... Just And it's just like, that just lights us up to think that God was having a conversation with someone else about our well-being. And not just a conversation, but that a conversation that then became a lifestyle that then blessed us. It's just so, I don't know if you've ever been the recipient of just a random act of the kindness of God through another. But it is such a blessing these are the kinds of attitudes and life practices that paul says that to the church hey church be aware of your each other you know i have often recounted this story of how at one time when nick and i in our early um parenting experience um i think we had caitlin and i wasn't sure if luke was born yet or not but anyway we had this great idea that we were going to save all this money for our children's education we had this great plan and we had this so we started this little savings thing for our children's education and at the time we we managed to save $1,500 into this little education fund for our kids and we were like oh this is going to be so great and then one day in a conversation with one of the people of the church they were telling us of their health situation and that they needed an operation on their eye so that they could see and they didn't they didn't have the money to do it and as they're telling me this all of a sudden my heart starts beating a little faster a little quicker and I start to get this sense of oh god you're talking to me you're talking to me you ever had those yeah yeah you have had them you know what I'm talking about I'm having one of these moments and then as as the person was sharing their story I felt to ask them how much would an operation like that cost? And I knew the answer before they even said it. I knew, I knew what the answer was going to be. And they said, oh, $1,500. And I just went, yep, that's, well, okay, Lord, you've got us. So I went home and I spoke to Nick and I said, hey, Nick, you know that education fund we've got for our kids that we've started? We need to give it away because one of our kingdom family needs their eye operated on so they can see clearly. 
How about we just give it away and then trust God that our kids will get the education they need? Now, I've got to say, my kids have had a great education and they haven't wanted for anything. God had a bigger plan in mind than my little savings fund. <laughs> Not that he was, a, you know, chiding me for saving it. In fact, he took what was a concerted, principled effort for my children's well-being and he said, now let me use it for something greater than what you think it's for. And he invited me to partner with it. And so Nick and I, we did. We emptied out our $1,500 children's education account, gave it to our friends, and they were able to have the operation and they regained the clarity of sight for their eye. And so we did this. We trusted Jesus and he has continued to look after our children's well-being. So we need to keep in mind where we give our money. For Nicole and I, we prioritise the, the building of the local church and the work of the kingdom of God. We also prioritise and keep in mind we have an immediate family that we need to be aware of and care for. We also have a church family that we have an awareness of and a care for. And then we also need to keep in mind the poor, the needy and the least. Let me just grab that one. King Solomon said these words in Proverbs 19. He said, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will reward him for what he has done. It's, it's, it's in the heart of God to care for the poor. Jesus said in Matthew 25, he said, Come, to, come you, blessed of my Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. This is where God wants us. Well, I think the scriptures and the Lord wants for us to give our money, where we put our money to work. He's firstly given us the resources, and now we're partnering with him in what he is deeply invested in. And, um, you know, I think the Mercy Centre does a great job of that here at the Vineyard. It continues to remind us to remember the poor. And we're serving somewhere between eight and 10,000 people a year. It's, it's a vehicle of God's heart for the world and for us to remind us again and again and again of the heart of God. All right. That's where, that, that, that's sort of the, the main areas of where to give. Can I, can I move into that next sort of little area of like how much to give? Well, I might poke that anyway. Well, let's start with this place in answering the question of how much should I give? Let's start here. Well, let's ask the question, how much does God love us? Here's our starting point. Well, John 3, it's an oldie but a goodie. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have an eternal life. In Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how much, in answering that question of how much does God love us, we need look at the life of Jesus, 
who is the full manifestation of who the Father is in kind. And we see Jesus, we see the Father. We see God and how much he loves us. He came born of a virgin, lived, ministered, raised the dead, delivered the demonized, healed the sick, fed the hungry, gathered disciples, empowered them with his spirit and said, go and do likewise, was crucified, died, and on the third day, risen to new life, and now is ascended at the right hand of the Father, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, looking, looking for his people to continue his works in the earth as he now rests beside the Father, seated beside the Father. So for Nicole and I, we had to come to a place where we settled in our hearts and our lives that we are going to live our life in response to the fact that God loved us this much that he sent Jesus. That's, that's how we, we, we have to settle that in our heart first. And that we live in, in and underneath this grace, this generosity, this forgiveness, this freedom, this love from God. And so it's in response to who he is. That's where we begin the conversation of how much do I give? We need to realize how much he has given so that we can be in relationship with him. So... <clears throat> I want to grab an Old Testament scripture. I want to quickly read it to you. And, um, but I want you, to, I want you to listen to it. And I want you to listen for the heart of God. I don't want you to listen for rules. I don't want you to listen for methodology. I don't want you to listen for principles. I want you to listen for the heart of God as I read this. Now, this is an Old Testament scripture. It is, it is um, as the people of God, this was before the law, but as before Moses instituted the law, but as they were about to come into this new space of land and provision and love, and that they would be a people who have been set free from the oppression and the rule of Egypt, and now they've been set free, and they're about to come into this place that God has gifted to them. The generosity of God has brought them to this place. And now he's saying, look, when you go into this place, I want you to have some ways about using your resources. And I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 26 to you. And I want you to listen for the heart of God. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place for his name that later became the temple of the Lord. And say to the priests who are in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. And then the priest will take the basket from your hand and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. 
And then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. He's talking some deep history here. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there, but became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and, and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. And then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, our toil, and our oppression. And so the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror, with mir miraculous signs and wonders. Isn't that ooh, great? The terror of the Lord. The terror of the Lord. Ooh. With miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and he gave us this land flowing with milk and honey and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Um, end of quotation marks. In other words, there's this confessional act. They're, they're talking out loud, they're back to God through the priest. Hey, God, you did this for us. That's why we're bringing this to you. There's something powerful about articulating your faith verbally. Very powerful. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites, <clears throat> now the Levites were the priests who were instituted to look after the well-being of the temple and all of this life of worship as a people. The Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things. Now the aliens, that's a good one. These are the people that are not of that nation but find themselves in that nation. They're not of that nation, but they find themselves in that nation. So who gets to rejoice at the offerings and the generosities of the people of God? Those that are serving the work of the kingdom and those that are in that nation, but not of that nation. Aliens. Very interesting for our time. We need to remember that. Um, should rejoice in all the good things the Lord has given to you and to your household. When you finish setting aside a tenth of all of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the, uh, to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Can you hear the heart of God? as he's trying to help the people of God in their life of worship with the resources that their life has been blessed with. Now, there's some practical things in there that I, I, I don't want to particularly dig into, but we, we live in the generosity of a new covenant, a better covenant in Jesus Christ when it comes to loving, being loved by God and loving God in return with our resources. We don't have to, as it were, and are not bound by any form of law or legalism, and God never wanted it that way. The law came because we said, God, we don't want you personally. Just put some rules in play so that we can relate to you through the rules because we don't really, you scare the heckers out of us, basically. They didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. And so, but in the new and better covenant in Jesus Christ, all that fear is removed. And that now we can love God, not through rules, but that 
the heart of God might motivate us, even as God and his heart was trying to motivate the people of Israel in their giving. The people were encouraged to bring their first fruits. So that's what Nick and I do. We just bring the first of anything and everything that we ever get. When people gift us a 50 in a card, do you know what we do? We take a portion of it and just give it to God the next opportunity we can. Just thank you. Just thank you. They were encouraged to bring their first and their best to God. And the beneficiaries of that was that all of that would come into this big house of God and a portion of that, 10% of that, of that big tithe of resources, 10% of that would go to looking after the priests who looked after the life of the worship of community of God. There would be the care for the aliens, the people that are of that nation but not sharing the benefits of the, in that nation but not of that nation, that they would share in the overflow and the generosity of God's promise to Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed and that it would be used for caring for the fatherless and the widow. This, this, this is the heart of God. So when it comes to how much do we bring, let's just start with what we have. Let's not wait for what we don't have. Let's just start with what we do have and love the church, love the family, love the poor, the needy, and the least, and cheerfully offer our first and our best. That's how I'm working it through with Nick. That's how we're doing this in relationship with Jesus. And I want you to hear no law, no expectation in any of that. But I do, want to hear, I do want you to hear that there is an invitation to a stewardship of your discipleship with Jesus that is so great and so big and so powerful and he looks forward to in, uh, you know, working that out with you. Um, if we're still asking the question, do I give gross or do I give net? Well, my response to that would be, if we're still asking that question, I would wonder if we have really encountered the generosity of a loving God. Perhaps we need to go further in that experience of the revelation of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Was his love for us gross or net? <laughs> hey, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Friends, I'd share with you this morning, there is a serious spiritual contest over our desires to want to love God with all of our life. The enemy has got a stink in his nose about the fact that God has called us unto himself in Christ Jesus and that we are now God's incredible weapon of love that's going to see the people of our town, the people of this new coming university, the people in our, in our workplaces and our families come to God. The enemy doesn't like that. Let's learn to pay attention to that spiritual battle. And we can give some tools on how to deal with that. But let's, let's just be like Jesus. Let's build the church and extend the kingdom. Let's just build the church and extend the kingdom. Let's be generous with our love for our family. Let's be generous with our love for our church family. Let's always remember the poor with regards to our money. And let's be first to dig into our pocket to give. Let's give our first and our best, knowing that, the, that in our giving our first and our best, we're saying thank you for, to God for setting us free from the law of sin and death 
and he's filled us with the new life of God in Christ Jesus and a spirit of freedom now reigns over our lives. That's what God has done for us. He's brought us into a new place. The spirit is graciously growing us up, maturing us all, especially in this area of money. The conversation for me as someone who's been following Jesus for 25, 26 years now is ongoing. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Could you imagine with me for just a moment if we, the people of the kingdom, the church, the body of Christ, if we just gave ourselves to the person of Jesus and let the heart of God inform our giving, the transformation that would take place in us, our church, and our region. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives in this season. Thank you. And I know, God, there's people here today who are like, the last thing I need to hear is a chat about money. But you know what, God, just do, you know, have the conversation you need to have, God, with them today. Bring the freedom that they're longing for for their life. You can do exceedingly abundantly more, Lord. So every need, every situation and life circumstance in this room, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And Lord, I just want to say thank you that in Jesus you heard you heard me when I was bound up and caught in all my junk and my sin and my shame you heard my cry for help and you came to me and you made yourself known I just want to say thank you and I thank you that you've done that for not just me, but for all people and everyone in this room. And I pray for a fresh revelation of that today. And Lord, we just want to live in response, our lives as an offering in response. Come Holy Spirit, just continue to have that conversation with us. Lord, where do you want me to give? Lord, how much do you want me to give? And show me, Lord, that in my giving, in my response to you and participating in something so wonderful and great of your great love reaching other people. I felt the Lord was saying, um, um, <laughs> I took my um, Bruce and I have been blessed with families who gave and gave and gave through their faith, which we are the benefits. We benefit through that with the example set for us. Um, 
But the one thing I've learned that I felt God was really saying that he wants people to hear and to know is this something that's kept me going my whole life. Um, it's that you cannot outgive God. You just can't. We keep trying. <laughs> Every so often we try just for a laugh. But um, you, you just can't. He just keeps pouring it back in. And even when you're at the bottom and you give, you, you just... He just brings it back. It's, it's remarkable, and it keeps some. It keeps surprising us and thrilling us, actually. Um, and you can't outgive God. You just, if that's one thing you remember, you just can't. Thanks, Jude. <clears throat> Reverence, thank you. What a thank you for that. Just that, that's just a testimony. That's the spirit of prophecy right there. Testifies to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can't outgive you. <laughs> you just continue to... I like that word you used, thrilled. He's thrilling us. He's thrilled us. Um, so this morning, I would just like to pray for... Um, there, was a question, there was a little statement a few slides back of... Starting with what I do have, not waiting to start with what I don't have. <laughs> if you would just like to, um, yeah, you know, I just want to start with what I do have. And you're in that season where the Lord's inviting you into that space. Can we pray for you this morning? I just want to get around you and just bless that. So if that's, if that's you, could you maybe just like pop your hand up for me? Because I want to pray for you this morning. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to wait for what I don't have. I'm just, I want to start with what I do have. Who's, who's that for this morning? No. Okay. Anyone else? A few others. Thank you. Okay. Can, can you just keep your hand up for me? Because I'm just going to ask the folk that are just around you just to maybe come around you just now and begin to pray for you. So some of the folk that are just around here, keep your hands up because we really need to see it. Thank you. So some of the folk just at the back there, over there, some of the crew, just move around and just begin to pray for them. Just keep your hands up until we've got some people with you. I need... Just, just reach around. Just reach around. That's it. Just reach around. Just, just let the Holy Spirit inform you as you pray right now. Just bless them. Bless them in their discipleship with Jesus in this area of finance. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Just release, just, just let there be faith and, and just words of wisdom and, and encouragement right now that would just bless and encourage your people in this area. And as, as you guys just go about doing that, I'm just going to uh, just talk out some words of knowledge here for healing.